0: Pause in the light conduct, warning Mr. McAuliffe. Code violation, rapid abuse, point penalty, Mr.
1: McAuliffe. Cheeky bally, I'm playing Cut my idol. Action,
0: verbal abuse, default, Mr. McAuliffe.
1: Game set, that. All right, we are coming to you live from Kabir's apartment. This is the first episode of cheeky volley, um, Kabir, can you tell us a little bit about what cheeky volley is?
0: Cheeky volley is the sort of tennis that I'm now playing. Um, the less and less competitive tennis I play, the cheekier the game my game becomes. Shot selection, super cheeky technique cheeky so like you're not you're not training anymore not training kind of getting and into so bad like, habits hitting a lot of flat backhands bad not ro- footwork bad maybe not, not footwork yeah. is good but not really getting behind the ball in the backhand hip rotation maybe a little low. too
1: much beer or pizza day of and so you're kind of like you're just yeah. hoping you're counting like a lot of
0: slices slice slice passing shots a lot of forehand chip shots a lot of the warinka th- 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 backhand chip return Never coming over the ball, it's classic Marinka, Just backhand chip,
1: and you're just you're just hoping
0: that uh that I hit a cheeky. You're relying volley. a little, yeah. Hoping, hoping, hoping you get that cheeky
1: volley, maybe bail you out of some bad points.
0: Volley winner, two points.
1: All right, we've been talking about doing this for a long time now. Um, both of us have played tennis our whole lives, and we uh, we always go to the U.S. Open, and we're like, all right, this year U.S. Open,
0: we're going to record a tennis podcast. And yesterday, I think it was one of the best days of the Open. Yeah, we were there so- for a solid. Twelve hours. Hold on.
1: Let's uh let's hold that thought yeah. for just a moment. <laughs> first, uh, important. Everyone knows we got Seinfeld on in the background. We've
0: got uh what episode is this? The Big Salad. What happens in the Big Salad? <laughs> George goes to Reggie's to get uh uh to have dinner uh, to have lunch alone.
1: All right, George goes to Reggie's to have lunch alone. All right, so here we are. First things first. Um, yesterday we went to the open. Uh, incredible Day of Tennis. We're going to get into those matches later. Uh, and we're going to talk about everything at the first week of the U.S. Open. But we're going to start with the most recent match that just finished. Uh, Juan Martin Del Potro. Is that the
0: correct name? Yeah. <laughs> and Borna Koric.
1: And Borna Koric uh, or Chorich? Uh,
0: you know, I think I've, I've heard both. Commentators were saying Chorich, Uh-huh. So let's go with that. Borna right. Chorich.
1: We really don't want to butcher his name. We think it's Chorich. Uh He goes out. Um, part of the next gen, young guy, um, 22 years old. Is he 22? 22. 22 years old. Uh, and he's playing Del Potro who has been hot as ever. Uh, does really well at the US Open. Um, has had good results in the past. Last year he made it to the final.
0: semifinals. Lost in a dollar in the semifinals. Lost
1: in a dollar in the semis in a year where it felt like he might win. Um, and his only Grand Slam that he has is a uh, is a U.S. Open. 2009. Um, and he's been rolling. And so he just uh, just takes out Chorich in straights. And Chorich is like really steady, kind of the modern-day counterpuncher. And so, uh, Kabir, you want to talk a little about what you saw in today's match?
0: Yeah, so super impressed with the scoreline. Um, going into the match, I was predicting straight or four sets. Um, maybe didn't expect it to be as one-sided as it was. Not surprised. Just maybe thought Corridge would stick in a bit more. Um, what do you... Uh, so, what do you see for... what is this match mean for George? And, like, what do you see for Del Potro moving forward in the tournament? For George, I mean, it's hard to say. He was in the match, the first set. Del um, Potro had a chance to go up two breaks. George broke back, leveled it out. Um, I think, you know, first match, he's sort of self-destructed towards the end of the first, towards the end of the first set. Really humid out there today, over 90% humidity. Both players each changeover putting so much powder and sawdust on their hands. DePotro, after every point at one point in the first set, trying to throw sweat off his hands. Um, so much sweat that the lines were getting slippery by the service box. I think both players changed his
1: shoes. Cause he yeah, changed his
0: shoes. I think both players are basically signaled to the umpire, you know, we need uh, to take a break and dry the courts. I don't know why, but they weren't able to do anything about it. I think it kind of got to Torric in the end, end of the first set, sort of self-destructed, let that get to him. Game broke down. Um, and maybe started a bit slow second set. De Potro, I mean, look, the guy's playing really good. is in top form. Beat for Dosco, straight sets um, in the second round. Just playing really well. Second round against Verdasco is winning, opinion, crushing them down the line. I think Chorich needs to flatten out his forehand a bit. So he steps in. He can, you know, cut off angle, go up the line, finish the points the way other top players do. Otherwise, I think it's gonna be really tough for him to do to break top ten or be consistent top ten. Del Potro, I think, is the player to beat right now.
1: Okay, so right now, you feel like Del Potro? Would you,
0: if you had a bet on it, would you take him win the U.S. Open? It's tough to say. I mean, all the players right now. I mean, if you look at who's in the draw right now, you've Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, Del Potro, Cole Schreiber, Nishikori. Chilich, everyone top form. I mean, the players who could win it, obviously, the big names, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Chilich, Del Poitro, I put the favorites. Um, if anyone's going to be two top three players in a row, I think it's Chilich. You know, second round against Verdosko, he's winning 90% of first serve points. I don't know if you can stop this guy. He's right. playing really, really well. All right, so let's run and through. And he's hitting over his backhand which okay. was previously an issue with his wrist, so it's looking really good. All right, cool.
1: What about uh, – all right, just to kind of review what's going on in the tournament right now, we're just going to look at the um, – the, this last weekend, starting on Friday, all of the kind of round of 32 matches, and let's just talk about uh, what we saw. So Del Potro is um, – that would be a
0: round of 16 match. Uh, so that's quarters, right? No, today was round of sixteen. So round sixteen is. So now they're into the top eight. So wait, that is. Today was fourth round, round of sixteen. So it was f- yesterday we saw third round. Okay, yesterday was round. third round. Then the, so the, starting the last two fourth round matches are tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Okay. So starting with Friday, Saturday, third round, and then today and tomorrow being fourth round. Let's just kind of run through what we saw. Um,
0: interesting matches. Uh, can we talk? Uh Chilich DeMinor. Insane match. Uh I think it's the fourth latest end of the US Open, 226 AM. Uh-huh. Amazing match. Um I didn't see the first two sets entirely, but Minor obviously took it to him. I think Chilich, I'm guessing you know the first I don't think they played they've played before this the first time. I think maybe Chilich didn't expect De Menard to pack such a big punch. He's a pretty skinny guy a uh, huge balls. About $1. fifty. Yeah, about 150 pounds, 152 pounds.
1: 5'11", which in today's game is pretty small.
0: Stepping inside the baseline, slamming first serves, first serve returns, coming in, hitting really well. Some Cilic, of the, I of feel like
1: some of the gutsiest returns we've
0: ever seen, too. I think one of the gutsiest players playing right now. Chilich loves taking the backhand cross-court, pulling you out. is cutting off the angle, almost hitting that around the net post. Probably really caught Chilich off guard, but there's two tough...
1: All right, the other thing is, can we talk a little bit about Chilich's fist bump? How do you feel about his fist pump compared to best other players? Best fist
0: pump in the game. Why best fist pump in the game? It's just a very different one. He moves the hand back and forth, looks like he's going to war. It's, you get the see in his eyes. It's kind of, he's he doesn't, not, I mean, you he's not losing.
1: He doesn't scoop it. It's more like,
0: it's just more right in front of his head. It's uh-huh. right there. One point, yeah, I mean, the best fist pump.
1: He's more of like – he's if you can imagine, One he's closer days, to throwing a dart than he is to like hitting an uppercut. Yeah.
0: Well said. Um, doesn't do the lawnmower like the Dollar Hewitt. It doesn't yeah. do the lawnmower.
1: Other interesting thing about Diminar is we've got a uh, really like a true counterpuncher and strokes are unusual. But in some ways, the way he hits returns is almost reminiscent of Agassi, I'd say. Yeah, a little bit. Steps inside and like – Short take back. Short take back and just – Smashes it. Comes in. returns. Yeah. And we feel like his coaching matchup is like a really good coaching matchup. So can yeah. you talk a little bit about – like we've got – it seems like on the tour right now, you've got some coaching coaching matchups that work really well, some that look really weird. Yeah, Hewitt, Menard, both like fellow countrymen, both Australian. Great matchup. Similar game. Uh, uh, Hewitt was kind of, in his generation, the counterpuncher to beat. Fast. Mm-hmm. Got everything
0: back. Super fast. Hit a lot of balls right off the bounce. Super Probably less feisty. weapons than Diminar, though. Yeah, I think so. I think Diminar hits bigger than he would, he would hit. So, um, I think it's a good matchup. Super feisty. You could just see how much Diminar wants it. I, mean, I would lose a match like that and be smiling like really happy. <laughs> and I would give a press conference about how happy I am to be there. He seemed very... Uh, you know, it's a disappointing loss. He's going to think about it for a while. But like, at the next one, really gritty... Part of that's got to be because of the coaching matchup. Uh huh. And he still pushed that fifth set to seven five in the fifth. Yeah, Pretty. that was. I mean, he. This match was just decided by a couple points. Luck could have gone either way. Mm. He was right there to the end.
1: Um. All right. Another uh match from the weekend, round of thirty two. So we're talking third round. That was interesting match. We were there. Was uh Zverev and Kohlschreiber. So this match that Armstrong. Two things we want to talk about. Let's talk about. Uh, what the new Armstrong looks like, and then also um, just that match. Like so, early morning practice courts. Cole Schreiber goes out, and we see our boy. Shout out to Fabio Fognini and his team. Uh, they're rocking the Rock in the. Let's
0: talk about Fabio Fognini. Right. For Sidebar
1: Fognini. Fognini, who we should be talking about every match. If you haven't already, if you're a tennis fan, you gotta check out his training videos. Because although the guy's like world class, like super fit. Hits huge. His training videos are like usually like him on a beach somewhere and like jumping through forehands <laughs> with uh, paddles, with paddles, moving like surprisingly slowly and looks like really does not look professional
0: yeah, uh, for someone who is such a world class player. Although there's notorious a disconnect for like between the way he plays and the way he trains. Although actually – Uncle Leo's on Uncle Leo's Leo. on. on uh, although maybe his training actually isn't that surprising because he. He's a pretty inconsistent player. Like really, some matches he really wants it. Especially I mean, what was his result? League.
1: What was his result this this tournament? Second
0: round out to Milman, which is I think a bad loss. Milman's okay. great player, works really hard chasing it, but Fognini should probably win that.
1: Yeah, Fognini came in. It's a bad he, loss.
0: Was Fognini what in the world
1: fifth? He went in as the uh... unseeded this year. Oh, they really went unseeded. Possibly uh, could be seeded. But formerly top 15 in the world. Yeah. Uh, wait, did he, how did he go into no, That was doubles. He was definitely seeded, dude. Because he's 14. I think he's the 14th seed. Singles.
0: Okay, the yeah, 14th,
1: 14th seed. Seat. 14th seed. seed loses to an unseeded Millman, who's young. Um, but we'll talk about Millman in a second. But, um, okay, so uh, another match. So, okay, so uh, Cole Schreiber's there. So we get there early. Cole Schreiber is. Uh, like really methodical warm up. He's also got his team out there. Between
0: yeah, also yeah. the drivers warm right. up. Right,
1: Fognini just goes out and basically just rips
0: shots. There's like nothing methodical about it. Also, one thing I didn't, one thing was strange. But not only was he ripping balls, but I don't know if you noticed this, but out of the 25 serves or so we saw him hit, he foot faulted on each one. <laughs> okay. Like it was almost intentional, like putting that. his foot in at least six inches into the court and then smashing serves. He didn't hit a single kick serve. Just flat serves, no warm up, just right onto the court, ripping forehands. Great to watch, maybe not the best way to train for a slam. In sharp contrast, Cole like Schreiber goes out there first three minutes. He's hitting like slow spin balls, very methodical. You loosen up his arm. loosen up, get his shoulders rotating, and then he starts banging the ball.
1: And but still, never like Cole Schreiber never hit a shot. In practice, that was like a shot he was going to hit in the
0: match. Whereas Fagnini hit every shot in practice like it was a match point.
1: And so – sorry. We're going to pause for one second to give a shout out to our sponsors, Uh, Tennis Warehouse Europe. (laughs) Uh, They've got some great giveaways. Check it out. Uh, Also a a really good
0: Instagram, Tennis Warehouse Europe. They have a lot of
1: competitions. Good competitions. If you're trying to get some free gear, you never know. Give them a shout out. Um, And also to uh, Virgil Abloh. No, uh, not kidding. Yeah. But Virgil, if you ever want to talk tennis, shout out. Always down. <laughs> All right. Um,
0: moving forward. Okay. So, so I think the essence is, that Cole Shriver went onto the court yesterday with a lot of purpose, and I think anyone who's a fan of tennis and likes watching the practice courts could see <laughs> yesterday he was really going course, to the match. Especially with, the
1: young players out there who are trying to get like focused before matches. I it seemed like the kind of like ultimate thing that any coach would tell you. Uh, he wasn't kind of like overexpending energy, he had a game plan, and then we saw him execute. So uh, first set, Sasha Zverev. Well, here. We're going to have to introduce Alexander Zverev a little bit more.
0: Okay. Zverev. Fourth, fourth, fourth seed. We'll start with that. Fourth, fourth seed, Fourth right?
1: seed. Still in the next-gen ATP race because he's so young. He's 21. He's about to age out. Um, but has burst on the scene incredibly quickly. Honestly... Feels like because not only he's such a good tennis player, but he's also like tall, kind of has those model good looks, has almost been to his detriment. Because it felt like last year, US Open, he was kind of just happy to be here. Went to. Also, uh,
0: last year coming out with the knee high socks first round didn't help.
1: Knee high socks, the Pharrell Adidas kit, and was also like way too much. uh, Definitely like probably going out to some like fancy New York restaurants. Wasn't a good look, seemed unfocused. It felt this year he was more mature.
0: But Even on top of that, that's all part of it. But he puts so much pressure on himself, and I know at that level you need pressure. But maybe like each interview, saying how it's all about winning slams, winning slams. Is number one, maybe a little too much pressure. But he's going
1: as the four seed. The expectation is you're trying to win slams, right? But still, he's never he's been super consistent in uh, Masters in Masters. But Grand Slams, his best result is... Uh, was it a fourth round at the Quarter French? Quarter
0: final at French this year. Quarter final at French this year. Before that, let me explain. struggle. Last year, I think he lost second or third round to Chorich, that- who played really well, but it's a pretty big upset for an unseeded player to... I think he's US open a he's, he's had
1: two times being on the second round this year, Farthest he's gone third round. Um, and so... But anyways, first set, he comes out, he looks good. He takes... Uh, he won well the tiebreak. I think seven one wins the tiebreak seven one and against a, a solid guy like Kohlschreiber, not easy to win that tiebreaker. But then Kohlschreiber comes out six four and slowly. Can we talk a little bit about his, uh, you know, Zverev's big guy, big serve? How did Kohlschreiber sort of neutralize his serve and
0: take him out of the? So take him out of the match. Something we saw yesterday and even today too. And I think that they've been talking about this on TV too. I'm interested to see this, but Kohlschreiber standing so far behind the baseline. Standing almost, at some point, 8, 10 feet. Maybe, in. I, maybe even like, I thought it was more like 12, 15 uh, He was, 15 feet. He was you almost see, right at the backdrop, standing so far behind. the baseline. We've always seen
1: Nadal do it. Yeah. It's kind of like Nadal's move, especially on clay, but I feel like we this haven't was, this really was almost,
0: seen. This was almost a different way because not only, he was standing so far back, but his split step, splitting, jumping in almost 3, 4 feet right before he makes contact. By the time he's hitting, he's probably like 6 feet from the baseline. 6 feet from the baseline and neutralizing the serve so well. Um, And I'm not talking about the Wawrinka chip return, like really hitting deep returns, sometimes down the middle of the court, forcing Zverev to to take control of the point, which I think is a really good tactic because as soon as Zverev starts losing, thing I've always noticed, he starts to hit really spinny tennis off his back foot. So now he's hitting huge serves, Schreiber's getting all the back, deep returns with pace up the middle, forcing Zverev to actually take control and make something out of the point. Put pressure on him. Obviously, wasn't able to do it. Um, Cole Schreiber, look, world class, world class player, hitting so well off the ground. Um, Zverev getting kind of desperate. How many times did he come to net? Nineteen that, for thirty nine at the net.
1: That was. I think by the end of the match it was even worse than that.
0: Yeah. Um, but the overall, the
1: kind of feeling was that. Uh, I mean, he's big guy, big serve needs to be able to get to net, but it felt like when he gets to net, he was coming in real slow. And like he doesn't uh, have
0: conviction at the net. He's no, not. He's not no conviction.
1: And so we left the match feeling like really there was no version of Alexander Zverev. No matter how hardy. Also, Zverev, if you were if you were in the match or if, if you remember, there's people cheering. Let's go, Sasha. We were
0: yelling a lot. That was us. Everyone was looking at us. We, we were pretty uh, adamant about continuing.
1: That. Um, And so. Uh, yeah, it felt like there's no version of Alexander Zverev that actually could have beat Cole Schreiber yesterday. It's just too so tough. With Zverev being bored, it seems like we've really got to see him improve his net game, and that could. Uh, and he is okay. So he's working with um, he's working with Lendl, who is famous for a serve and volley, but coming kind of back to uh, a well, thought so, that we didn't finish was just kind of that the Lendl Zverev. Uh, I so
0: think about Lendl. I, I don't think this is a good matchup. I don't think this is going to last longer than a year. Uh Uh-huh. What's not working about it? Well, okay, so it's only the first tournament. Can't really judge yet. I just think personality-wise, Zverev and Lendl, I don't know. Um, Zverev had – so his his coach before his current coach, um, I think before Lendl or part of his greater team is his dad. But before that, he had Juan Carlos Ferrero, which I was excited about. I remember his coach. Yeah, Zverev's coach was Ferrero. Ferrero was excited about it. He said he's got the champion's mind. That separates him from everyone else. But you know what? It didn't last a year because apparently Zverev's showing up consistently late to practice and was, quote, unprofessional. Um, and I just can't imagine Lendl kind of being down for that.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, know. he could
0: change. He could be more professional. But with, I think Lendl is an emotionalist. Per- Gives you no emotion. We saw it yesterday. We were sitting pretty close up front. How many times Zverev looks over at his box, and he's no, he's got nothing. It's just Jez Green, who's now in his physio team. He's done a great job. Who's Jez Green? Jez Green was Mare's trainer, and okay. he's now in Zverev's camp. Um, Jez Green clapping. Lendl, just no expression on his face. No clapping. Gives you nothing. I it's like... You know, this level of the game, playing good, playing poorly, you want to look at your coach box and get some motivation. I, I, think, I think him. going like, out there and being like the kind of cold-blooded, like quiet, like
1: that I, I works for some people.
0: I don't think it works for Zverev.
1: It's not, Zverev is like – He likes to get – He's wild emotional. Walking. He likes the spotlight. He needs someone that's going to like – They can sort of balance that, but it really feels like they need someone who's going to get him like – Like we he – He had the chance to get the whole crowd behind him. Like it seems like he's a guy that New York could really like if he puts it all
0: together. It didn't really work. Was just us trying to get the New Yorkers behind us. Was just us trying to
1: get the New Yorkers behind him, and everyone else seemed to think he was kind of a tool. Yeah. Um, But anyway, Sasha, we're cheering for you.
0: Um, Also, I think whenever he gets when this next Grand Slam break is, maybe it's maybe it's Australian Open. Maybe he takes you know plays a little less tournaments this year, ended this year. When he gets that semi or final or wins his first one. I think he's just gonna roll. He's gonna go on tear. Yeah, I, I mean, he's really, just a I bigger like, version of Djokovic. Yeah, he's
1: he's basically big Djokovic.
0: He's just gonna roll. Huge strokes, yeah.
1: beautiful strokes, super athletic. Um it really felt like we were cheering him for him yesterday, not because we're necessarily huge fans, but we just felt like if he gets a little deeper into a tournament, like if he can get to a semi, that like he's just gonna be unstoppable.
0: Whereas I don't think Cole Schreiber is gonna beat Federer.
1: Yeah, Cole Schreiber next round, semifinal
0: are, or what do we you know. think
1: uh, – who who's Cole Schreiber playing next?
0: I think he plays, he plays Nishikori. He plays Nishikori, um, which is pretty match, inter- interesting matchup. Similar. Kind of similar style. I think Cole Schreiber has a better forehand. Nishikori, world-class backhand. Yeah, also, Nishikori's forehand so the wait, why are the
1: run. Why are their styles
0: similar? Um, similar in height, but around like 5'11". Uh-huh. Um, fast, pretty fast. Really fast. Stay low to the ground. Yeah. Um, Counterpunching, but very strategic games. It's not just blocking balls back. It feels like I Cole Schreiber's more is aggressive. Bigger. I think he's Probably. a more offensive offensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely has advantage of the serve. Nishikori served serves better this year, but has a pretty shaky serve. So actually, second serve when he starts losing, first only double faults. Um, tough match to call. Interesting. Going with Cole Schreiber. All
1: right, we're going with Cole Schreiber. All right, uh, sorry. Last thing about this very of Cole Driver match is we're watching at Armstrong – new Armstrong Stadium. Uh, can we talk a little bit about what the – I mean it just felt like – They smashed it. They, they really killed really it. It really felt like a great stadium. We've got – because US Open, it really feels like the issue with Arthur Ashe is – I mean it's, a, it's incredible to be able to see that many people watching tennis um, and it's like great for the sport to be able to get that many people watching tennis. But you really are – so far from just seeing two people hit a and this ball is, around. We, we could do a whole like,
0: podcast about what stadiums what's work. the optimal way to watch tennis, but I think it's tennis is not a, it's not it's not a sport like baseball or football where being really far in the crowds I don't think you can appreciate the game.
1: Well it's also like it's also like other sports, like uh baseball is a huge field and so
0: the, the, you're, you're inevitably going to be far from something, far from the action. But yeah. tennis is like – it's
1: its a weird sport to watch from that far away. And so uh, when you're at the US – or when you're at Ash and sometimes you're too far, like it can really feel like you're just too far and you're not really – it's like, what are you really watching?
0: It's just experience but, of just being there and not really walk – just getting the benefit of watching tennis close up. But,
1: but Armstrong felt like we were uh, – a we lot of people incident, there yeah. – Really good energy, but still intimate, and you can like really see tennis. Um, and so that was really exciting to see. However, I mean, you see, like, there's a reason that tennis in this country is not big enough, and you see in the stadium the uh, like, there was no one cheering. We were trying to yell for Zverev, and Eddie I, was I don't know what happened. I, like, I think
0: we that was one of the de- I mean, we were, on, we were on grandstand for a while, uh-huh. that was a good crowd. There was uh-huh. a good crowd for. Mike Bryant, um, the, uh, I think it's Mike Bryant playing with Jack Sock. But Zverev, four in the world, one of the hottest players right now on the tour. Everyone wants to see him play. Totally flat crowd. Legit, we were the only ones yelling, rooting, trying to, trying to influence the match. Really flat crowd. I don't know if it's... Allison, I don't know what's going on there.
1: Allison Kruger at the New York Times wrote a really nice article this week uh, in the Sunday... I think it was the Metropolitan section um, about... Uh, how Louis Armstrong is the place to be. Good read. I think kind of gives you the idea.
0: I think this is um, the feels article. Like,
1: I mean, honestly, I don't want to say this because I don't want this to happen next year. But I think if you're going to spend one day at the U.S. Open, you want to do a grounds pass. You can see some like intimate tennis of maybe some players you haven't discovered before. But if you get to Armstrong, you're also guaranteeing yourself like
0: big time players on a big stage. Wait, that's the movie next year. I guess Armstrong tickets. Yeah, the move third is- round Saturday. Third round, stay there the whole day. This camp at that court.
1: Also, you always we always go third round Saturday. You gotta go third round Saturday. Great day. Um, All right, so uh, I feel like we kind of Zverev, we're good there. We hope to see something else moving forward, but a little disappointed. Tough loss, tough loss, definitely
0: definitely tough loss.
1: Um, Feder quickly, Feder Kirios. A lot to say about Kyrios. We're gonna have the Curios we Corner. We'll do a Curios Week
0: where we just we do podcasts dedicated to Nick.
1: Nick Curios is sort of our favorite player because we feel like we know him in like a like we've known a Nick Curios in some way. But it's getting a little exhausting going into tournaments. feeling like, all right, Nick Curios. When are you gonna may- break through? Is maybe the most talented player on the tour. Uh, and I don't know if I. I believe it, it.
0: I think he's the most talented player in the world right now.
1: I feel like we can make the argument like. In terms of just like sheer talent, you've got Zverev, you've got uh, you've got Kyrgios, you've got like what two other guys maybe with that kind of talent um, of young of
0: younger guys. is clearly super talented. Diminar's up there, but he's extremely smart. talented. I mean, hitting huge forehands with a almost a very Eastern grip. Stepping inside the baseline, crushing hundred thirty mile an hour serves. Sure. Super talented. Maybe
1: Shapovalov.
0: Yeah, Shapovalov definitely. No, that's but like yeah. no, no Shapovalov. Un- in that conversation, shot maker. there's
1: not a. a... Kiros is sort of in a league of his own. Maybe the biggest serve in men's tennis.
0: Also, the smoothest motion.
1: Smooth motion,
0: like it just feels like he's not going to get injured hitting it's balls like that. Effortless motion. He could do that a whole day. Consistent 135, 136. He does
1: the – he kind of gives gives them us them the rock and then just goes and just throws down 139 mile hours.
0: Yeah, unreal.
1: So, so anyways, we're looking for something special. Day before the match, he posts a photo oh, of himself. Yeah. All right. We're just going to Kyrgios Corner. He posts a photo of himself in I believe a Bulls jersey. We love basketball but like in a Bulls jersey saying how like – is describing himself as like the feeling before a uh, before. So it's, it's a
0: photo of Nick, kind of hunched over with his hands over his face, and he's looking through his fingers. And it says, "Looking at my third round," hashtag the goat, hashtag playing your idol or something, right? Kind of maybe accepting defeat before the match even starts. When really, and, and really and maybe, like, look, this is maybe again Kira's corner. This is gonna take over the whole episode, but maybe this is why having a coach makes sense. He needs a voice to let him know. He's the only player on tour right now. who's beat Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and Murray on his first time. That's unreal. So he can do it. So yeah. he, say again? he beat Federer? He's the only player playing right now. I could be Maybe maybe not Murray. I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure he's the only player to beat Federer, mm-hmm. Djokovic, Nadal, and Murray on his first time playing them. No one else right now playing has done that. That's unreal. Yeah, all
1: right. He We're needs to... go in for Kyrios corner. So,
0: can you talk a little bit more about how he doesn't have a coach? Like, what does that? What does that actually? Mean? So, I actually didn't realize this earlier this week. I thought he had a coach, but he doesn't have a coach. I mean, I think his mom is coaching him, but more his family. Uh, his member. mom,
1: who's royal blood,
0: is royal blood in, in, in Mal- uh, Malaysia. Malaysia, Malaysia. Malaysia, I think. Malaysia. Um, but she's not acting. I think as his formal coach. I think she travels to some tournaments. But he doesn't have – it sounds like he doesn't really have a full-time coach. Any chance we can get a guy like Paul Anacone to coach him, that would be like a would nice matchup. Would be, would be a good matchup. I mean, you know, I don't know. Who would who would be – who's like the ideal coach for Nikirios? I don't know. He uh, – the ideal – I think Brad Gilbert, but it sounded like Brad – Could
1: Agassi work? Agassi was a punk once.
0: Actually, it could be good. I didn't think about it. That could be – uh Maybe. Maybe we send uh, Nick an Instagram message asking if he's considered that. I mean, that could be good. But I think he needs a, I think he – I think someone this talented.
1: Who's like this talented without breaking through. And Federer won Grand Slams without a coach. But they are not the same person. Yeah.
0: And Federer won Grand Slams without a coach after he already had about 11 slams.
1: And he was also married to a professional tennis player. Right. So
0: you know they're having I some think- conversations at home. I feel like he's losing out not having a coach at this point.
1: Um, so, Kyrios, we hate to say it, but we feel like he's underachieving. We will say, though, uh, Bill Simmons, if you're listening, he is a huge Celtics fan, uh, always in his Celtics jersey. Uh, clearly, so the thing about Kyrios is that he reminds us a lot of Brett Francis. Brett Francis grew up Connecticut, Connecticut. Brett also was at the US
0: Open with us yesterday. Shout out to Brett. He also so used
1: points to get a little hotel in Long Island City for me. That was me. good. It was and good. Him. It was good chill. effort
0: driving down from Boston. Also
1: drove down from Boston, showed some heart. Um, so he, uh, Brett and him both, uh, both have diamond studs, rocking diamond studs real early in life. A lot of pressure to play tennis, but would have rather played basketball and definitely sacrificing uh, a little bit of... Um, Probably like uh, I'd say, results in their tennis careers by just like spending time on the basketball court. Um, also getting like the the fade, the fade yeah, haircut. I got the fade. He's going to the fade, getting the fade. Like always in the barber shop. Um, It feels like he's just like hoping that one of these NBA players, like maybe LeBron James, who has his like has his whole like media empire, will like pick him up and let them like let him do something.
0: Uh, it'd be great, but you know, like, he even at one point said last year that he'd been playing too much basketball; it wasn't focusing on his game. Yeah, he's playing too much basketball, so
1: it's worrisome. We just want to see him. It honestly feels like he's probably never going to win a
0: Grand Slam right now, and it's it's sad because it feels like he really could. And it's it's maybe it, it's difficult to say because also we're being critical because he's only I think 22, maybe 23. So obviously he has a lot of time, but just. 23, yeah. born in 95. Given what he's already achieved, expect been him to kind of take it to that next level. Um, also, another curio's corner. This could be another podcast too, but Instagram effect. Yeah, so, so the Tennis Instagram TV effect. has a great Instagram. They post videos every day covering all the matches, even the, uh, even the non-slams. It's a great point. So, so when we talking about the Instagram effect, the idea is that like social
1: media – all these players are always on TV, or all, sorry, always plugged in, always plugged in. But we've got with tennis, it's already a single person sport, right? Singles is it's just you are out there. Kind of breeds a, like certain sort of narcissist, and then you've got these tennis players that are just like giving us sometimes I feel like too much almost weird well, it, it, views it, into their lives. And, and, and it's not can, only
0: that, but it, it's not only weird views and lives posts, but some of these posts are so curated that. It takes time to post these videos. When you're try to think, where's their head at, right? So you I think posting too much
1: on the Instagram? I think, I might.
0: To me, the Instagram effect is like
1: we could tell for a while that Novak Djokovic was like not going to be playing well because he was like just posting, showing he's how he's posting he was, he's photos finding of him himself
0: in like in canyons, saying he's just posting a really generic photo of like something's like, like the grand he canyon. He was on saying, for, like eat, pray, There's shit. energy out there. You know, this life is great. He was on some... And e- there you go. He loses next round to Benoit Père. Great player, but world number one losing to Benoit Père. He was um, on some granola, eat, pray, love. Yeah. Losing but the no, players you mean lose about to. What I Instagram effect is, So you have tennis TV posting all these highlight reels and trick shots. So Kyrgios, this summer, what has he been doing? Played Queens in London. In one service game, he changes his service motion three times. He imitates Federer. Then he imitates Monfils. Then he imitates another player. What do you know? Tennis TV picks it up. Last three tournaments, he's been hitting so many shots in between the legs for no reason.
1: A lot tennis of TV posted. The
0: thing with Instagram is you can see who likes it. So each Tennis TV post of Kyrgios, who likes it? Kyrgios likes it. He comments on the post. And his friends are commenting stuff too, laughing about it. Taylor Fritz is commenting. You're crazy, unmotivated with laughing emojis. Kokanakis is commenting on it. I'm trying to think, Kirios, in between points, hitting shots in between his legs, thinking I want to be on Instagram, uh, looking forward to being on the highlight reel. That's Instagram effect with Nick. All Not right. into it.
1: All right. Last thing with Nick Kirios is uh, we had the big Muhammad Lyani news. Uh, so in his uh, second round match, yeah, yeah second, round, second match, round match. He's playing. Uh, who's, he, who's he playing? Uh, Albot.
0: Yeah, I think it was that Radu Albot. Radu Albot. that a second round or first round? A second round? No, second round match. Round of 120... No, that's first round. First no, sorry, round. sorry, sorry. second round? Oh, sorry, second, right. second round he's playing uh, Her- hair Bear, Bear, who is a great player. Young, right? Young uh, he's pretty young. I think about not older than 26. Better, more success on the double store.
1: Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, 27. Um, he's now.
0: playing hair Bear. Uh, what was the scoreline of that? That went to four? Four sets? Uh, We had... Uh, oops!
1: Sorry. How's
0: it right here. No. Okay. No, no, go forward there. No, Just go f- press forward. Wait, what are you doing? Singles.
1: Okay. Sorry, we're here. Uh, four sets. Uh, four six set four six
0: seven six six three six zero. Oh. Which is okay. Six six love sets can happen, but I feel like when. Kyrgios has a six love said, whether it goes his way or opposite his way, it's kinda of suspect. Maybe he's tanks in between match. Anyway, I guess at one point in the match, probably well, the players, but
1: Kyrios was four six, he lost the first lost set. That was it. Lost was the first set.
0: Um ended up winning in four, but one point of the match, you know, one on one of his streaks where it just seems like he's not trying, hitting big serve, first serves, even bigger second serves maybe not moving that well, just kind of just looking like he doesn't really care. Uh, Mohamed Liani, who is one of the most recognized umpires, because it's not only his face, but his voice, gets really into the match, has a really distinctive voice, you know, chaired how many Grand Slam finals. I guess he, it sounds like this is, I mean, quite unprecedented, gets down from the chair, Goes up to Nick. We don't know exactly what he says. Hearing the allegedly, video, allegedly, it he, said, like he said something. I like – I want
1: to help you. I want to help you. I've seen your matches. You're great for tennis, Nick. I know this is not you.
0: And I think after that, he said something along the lines of, "Is everything okay? Like, do you want me to call the trainer?" And Nick said, "No, I'm fine. You know, I'm I'm fine." Ended up winning the match, and obviously, the question now is, did he was that is that considered coaching? So, a couple players have been vocal about it. Andy Roddick, Robin Haas, Roger Federer, have all, basically said it's not okay. unacceptable. You Andy can't.
1: Roddick was defend
0: defended Liani that it shouldn't that he should not be like there should be no action and, taken. And against I'm, him. I'm for that because I kind of surprised that Robin Haas and Federer were so. I get it that they're opposed to it. But I feel like they should have maybe qualified with that. Wait, okay, this shouldn't be the end of his career. Um, I don't know. I've been trying to read up on this. I don't know exactly what's happened. If he's been fired or if it's something that the USTA or the ATP is reviewing. But it sounds like it's serious enough that that's something that's on the table. And I think I think it's a bit harsh. Um, I get it. It's a slippery slope. You know, if you
1: it looks like right now it he's going like, to continue it working, it sounds like though.
0: more. The concern is less about what he said, more that he simply got out of his chair.
1: Uh huh. Um, We can't have umpires going out there and kind of having players they're rooting for, though. It's not a
0: good look. But I don't think it's an issue of that he would be any less objective in calling lines. It's just that. Him ask basically counseling him and telling him like look you're great for tennis. Okay, if he if he didn't say you're great for tennis.
1: I, I think the point is is said, like ideally that's something that maybe he could have talked to him after the match.
0: Yeah. But also, I would not be surprised, Muhammad Ali is definitely one of the umpires who you can hear it in his voice. He loves he loves tennis. He, he gets <laughs> so into it. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. I've heard Darren Cale mention this too. So I could see a lapse in maybe not necessarily judgment but a lapse in just, you know, the moment takes advantage He's kinda, of He's kind of – he was getting He's too into it. a fan of tennis. It. He, he wants to it. It. see Curious do what all of us slam. want him to do. He, he want, yeah, exactly. He wants to see exactly what the curious corner wants. He want to see Nick play big matches. Yeah, and, we, want see,
1: we want to see Nick in a final and, and I going out
0: of crazy. Being a good guy. Having good emotional intelligence, he says, look, is everything all right? You're good for the game. Don't do this to yourself. He asked the question. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, Muhammad Ali is calling many matches for years to come because he's great. All right. Um, let's see. Djokovic. What do we see from Djokovic? All right. Djokovic obviously had a crazy year. A lot of ups and downs. Searching for himself mentally.
1: Also, a very weird Instagram throughout the Super year. Super weird
0: Instagram. Kind of weird about his whole well, surgery. It all starts... When Instead start of calling with... his surgery a surgery, he keeps calling it a medic small medical intervention. That's obviously surgery. He should just say it's a surgery. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, Unreal played Wimbledon um, throughout... Look, prior to Wimbledon, all his matches, he would have moments where he's back, he's finished Djokovic, he's lapses.
1: It felt like the point, though... Sorry, just pause. And but, like, early in his career, when Djokovic was bursting on the scene playing great tennis, he was being really goofy and, like, uh, mocking at like sort of pretending to do everyone's service motions, yeah. And he was kind of like maintained a really good sense of humor. But and then we kind of went through this period. I mean, even, it seemed with some off the court stuff going on. Yeah. Posting like, what was? Let's see.
0: Uh, hold on. No, but I think what happened was okay. Yeah, definitely he had that when he first started playing between two thousand seven, two thousand nine, maybe two thousand ten. Kind of that fan favorite imitating players then. That subsided a bit. I think he was becoming a top player, and he realized, let me taper that a bit. And then, obviously, had that, that streak where he just won three slams a year, about, what, 60 to 70 matches in a row, he was playing on instinct, pure instinct. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what reminded me of this is when they interviewed Serena on court the other day, and they said, when you toss up the ball, you know, where are you deciding where to hit it? And she said, I don't think about it. I just try to hit it as hard as I can.
1: when she's thinking about it, she says, it's not working.
0: yeah. And when she means that, I think what she means is she's just playing on instinct. I think that's what Djokovic did for so many years. And I don't know what caused it to break down. I think it was maybe that injury. And in his comeback, even when he's been apparently injury-free, I think he hasn't been playing on instinct. I think that's messing with him a bit. But Anyway, he, he, wins he, Wimbledon. I thought maybe that would be the end of his demons. And I think there's still some lingering effect. I mean, even in the match against Tennis Sanger, he even said he lost that third set. He just kind of had a mental break, explosion, just got distracted, lost a match, played great against Gasquet, but I don't know if that's enough evidence. Gasquet is not really playing that well. Also late in his career. Late in his career. Maybe doesn't believe in himself. He's been badgered by top four his whole career, so I'm not that surprised the outcome. I thought maybe he could put up a bigger fight, sensing the urgency of the moment, maybe take a set, but... I don't know we'll see what happens. So,
1: what first round he went four sets with Fuchevich. it wasn't a great,
0: yeah, it wasn't uh, great. great. It's great player, but it was a weird that was a weird match. Um, again, look like focus not entirely there. All right, um, so we'll see. Looks like it could be Fed
1: Djokovic. We'll come to all the stuff yeah, at the end, okay? Um, so then, uh Sad to see Schwartzman go out. For the sake of time, we're not going to talk too much about that. But he's got a lot of heart. And he I thought Corey that would go to too five. To he's kind
0: of a five-set marathon yeah, expert. Yeah,
1: he wants the five-setter. It didn't happen. Um, but it is—it's—it's it's a weird match for him to
0: play. Yeah. Anytime, I mean, fun fact about Schwartzman—he's the best returner on the ATP tour. Okay. And stats last Why? year, the number one. Why he he's, he's breaks the most. He got the most service breaks.
1: Okay. So shout out to our Neutralizes. boy Schwartzman. How, how tall is he?
0: A five-seven swordsman breaking the most on the tour, really steps in, neutralizes the serve, hits a lot of acceleration, it's killing it.
1: And we're in a, we're in a situation now where
0: uh, it's like if you're not men, six tennis, two,
1: like, yeah, it's like if you're not six two, it's pretty difficult to be look, really. Competitive. Yeah, I mean, look at
0: the, all the top players. I mean, Nadal six one, Federer six one, Murray six three, Chilic, Del Potro six six. How do, six, six. How do you compete with someone? 6'6. How do you compete with someone whose wingspan is just. You can't get balls past these guys.
1: Yeah, he's in just
0: a lot more
1: court to cover. Um, all right. We've got. Let's see what else we got. All right. Quick shout out to the Fashion Corner. Um, so we've we've been seeing some interesting things this year in tennis fashions. We have. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. No, wait. I think we had some matches to talk about. All right. We're going to cut that out. Fuck the Fashion Corner. Um. All right, we saw we saw Pui and Souza. We're still kind of expecting big things from Pui. It's really smooth, big serve. Uh,
0: one of the smoothest games out there, um, Brett made a pretty good comment. Maybe it's a pretty Brett comment that he's using Prince. He's one not, of the only players using Prince rackets. Only who the, else? Wait, we've got someone else right, in so the top 20. Using- Ferrer used to use Prince. He now uses Wilson. Isner. Monfils used to use Prince. He now uses Wilson. Isner... Still using it, I think. Is, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's, he uses Prince. Um, Juan Carlos Ferrero. he used Prince. I don't yeah, really he know who he else uses Prince, Prince right now. Puy. Does he go Bablat or does he go Wilson? It seems like... He honestly
1: seems like a prestige kind of guy to me. Or like... Yeah, uh, I mean,
0: he's got such a classic player, traditional game. Um, Puy, I think he's had... He had a great year last year. Quarterfinals Wimbledon, Berlin, won Grass in Stuttgart. This year, I... Not sure if he's won a title. Hasn't really played well in the slams. Wimbledon, he lost early. French, he lost early. Um, got to think his confidence. I mean, Sosa, great player. You could tell super gutsy, really wanted it. But, that's a but I think he's more of like a clay court player. I think that's a match puy has got to win. He's a 17 seed. A lot of potential. Still really young. Hopefully he turns it around. Be curious to see if he still plays a Prince next year.
1: All right. We also... Nadal, how are you feeling Nadal's playing?
0: Rolling. I think he's playing really well. Um, really tested with Hatchinov in the third round. Yeah. Hatchinov came out I thought Kashinov was going to take it. it Kachoff 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 could, I think Kashinov could beat him in a Masters, but best of five, I still don't think he
1: did. Didn't he have some interesting matches at Wimbledon, too? Um,
0: what was his result at I Wimbledon? Think he got to the quarters? Uh, let's see. Wimbledon. He lost to Djokovic in the quarters, is that right? Right, yeah. So got at the, got at the quarter, lost to Djokovic, um, lost to the eventual winner. So who knows how he would have done if he won that? Look, um, played great. I just don't think physically he's there yet. Nadal is just too good, best of five. I mean, that was that's what happened. Fourth set, even third set, he started cramping, ended up winning it. So got the second win. Fourth set, feeling the burn. It all just wearing him down. It's just too good. Mm-hmm. Don Nadal is still really good today. Um, went to Four, with Bachelorsvili, he was playing really well. Also, re- let's talk about Bachelorsvili for a minute. I think really impressive what he did when he played Nadal at the French Open. He lost—he won one game. Two sets were six love. That's got to be really—I think even—I think at that stage, you're 25, you're trying to make a breakthrough. I think even playing the number one player on the world, King of Clay, show court, losing two sets, six love, pretty tough, came out today— Played so well. Um, there was an interesting so was stat. Does that,
1: ma- mm. that match today or yesterday?
0: That was today. Interesting, okay. really interesting stat. I think his average pace, four-handed backhand, was around 85 miles, 85 miles an hour. So maybe one of the biggest hitters on tour. Hitting huge backhands. Really impressed his ability to just hit down the line, hit through the court. off and all, it's really hard to do. It all looks really good. I feel like Del Potro could take him this year. Was it impressive? some time.
1: story about Basile and... Is there some story with him and Brad Gilbert? Or am I making that up?
0: Um, I think – no, they definitely have a relationship. Um, I think Brad Gilbert was coaching Bossesville, maybe for a little bit in California. I don't know what extent, but they definitely know each other. Um, I feel like that's a really good matchup. Brad Gilbert, unreal coach, obviously, amazing commentator. Um, maybe we got to gotta look into that to see what it is. But uh, they're not looking great, but I think – I just have a feeling the way Del Potro's playing – the issues he had last year against Nadal where he just wasn't on top of it, again, probably because Nadal just came out firing, I think this year Potro could take him.
1: All right. And then we've also got – uh, okay, the last of the weekend, um, Isner, Raonic, and Team Anderson. All right. Isner, we've seen a lot of five-set matches from him. We kind of expect he's just not going to get broke but also
0: – Not, not going to return that gonna, well. But also
1: not going to break.
0: Yeah. Um, Although he did it today, I feel like, you know, but Isner, I feel like as soon as that fifth set started, he had this sense of urgency. He was, you know, jumping on Raonic's first and second serve, trying to get a ball back in play, making it me play. Maybe if he had that same sense of, you know, this moment, this point, this game, right now, all I need is one break, I can win the set. Maybe if he's somehow able to do that earlier in a match, starts winning matches with less, you know, not playing five sets all the time. Um, look, isn't there someone serving that big second round of second week of a slam? Anything can happen. Him playing Del Potro, I don't. That's going to be a crazy match. I don't even know. But what
1: about first? Second, Raonic is kind of plateaued a little bit. He came out uh, twenty fourteen or so, started going deep in a lot of tournaments. Yeah, and then twenty
0: sixteen Wimbledon finalist. He, he also he, he got, got injured to, though. He got to number he three had, in the world, right? Yeah, he um I think so, yeah. top five, number three, number, number three, three, three in the world. Um, massive serve John McEnroe said today he's got one of the best serves in the history of the game huge serve he did have that wrist surgery mm-hmm. so I think his lapse is because of that mm-hmm. but definitely I mean, just looking at him this tournament he's gotten fitter mm-hmm. he's looking really ripped as well for a guy of his size. really I'm surprised he beat Brink on straight I don't know what happened there I only saw the last set I don't think I was that indicative of the match I don't know what happened it's obviously playing great um, I think it's a good win for Isner Also, real quick, Isner, really happy for him because that semi-final loss to Anderson 26-24 in the fifth could have been really shattering. You know, maybe has a pretty lackluster second half of the year to come back, get two quarters of another slam. I think that's that's totally behind him now. Happy for him.
1: All right. Um, Next up uh team, we got team uh, team Anderson
0: so team team the doll team the doll well, team Anderson was oh oh, oh you talk about the match was completed yeah. um team Anderson surprised it went three sets going in we thought
1: maybe Anderson's been having last two years been really great especially at us Open
0: little concerned though that Anderson went five sets with Ryan Harrison first round mm-hmm. um obviously Harrison played great but I feel like Anderson is in top form first round that's someone he should beat pretty decisively. Obviously third round against Shapovalov, going five. That's the you know, he's had maybe better success recently, so it's a little more understandable. But I thought he'd go in today. I thought he I, I don't think team has had great form this year on the summer. He's not the best hardcore player. Thought this was gonna be four sets Anderson. Really the opposite. I mean team playing on a hardcore like it's a clay court, standing all the way back behind the baseline, Anderson just didn't really have the answer. I don't think that's going to work against Nadal. Mm. I think Nadal... Also, interesting, Nadal and team have played 10 times, only on clay.
1: Only on clay. And Pretty what's the, bizarre. What's the, what's the matchup? What's their head-to-head? Uh,
0: head? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. I'm thinking it's maybe 7-3 Nadal. I could be wrong. Let's see. What is so eight? Their head-to-head
1: head is...
0: Right, 7-3 Nadal. 7-3 Nadal. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think... I think this... Sh- Obviously, team tough, really tough. He's played Nadal was it, 10 times, so he knows knows what to expect. by I think Nadal... Nadal the grand slam. Nadal, grand slam, hardcore. One hardcore slam's too good. Like, All right. I think, we're, I think where Anderson maybe could have cut off those loopy balls and team was hitting today by coming in, closing off the net, serving volley, Nadal could do that. Or just cut off the corner with the way he's hitting his backhand. I don't All think right. it's gonna be an issue.
1: Alright, short break for the fashion corner. Shout out to our sponsors, Nike Tennis.
0: Nike Cord. <laughs> Nike. Cord. Thanks for the, uh, the Nike Cord <laughs> shoes, for the guys. And the shoes. We uh, we enjoyed yeah, wearing them shoe. yesterday.
1: Yeah, great wearing those around. It's cool to have, have the shade shoes as Tiafo. <laughs> um so we've got uh we've got uh let's see. Interesting things in men's fashion right now, or just tennis fashion right now is better. Moves to the Uniqlo sponsor. He's still wearing the Vapors.
0: Big, big win for uh, Federer's agent. God's sake, to get that contract reportedly three hundred million, million over for ten years. years. That's so unreal. Uniqlo definitely trying to. They could pay be, me three
1: thousand a year and I'd wear this shit,
0: but they're paying him <laughs> pay $30 free. mil. Uniqlo <laughs> um, definitely expecting Federer to be the Jordan of Nike, where he just keeps generating sales mm. after. The, the, all right, the difference where. Obviously a lot went into this so they've come up with the numbers think it's compelling but where I think that I don't really believe it is I think I think shoes are much better for a product to buy when an athlete retires than clothes.
1: Yeah. And tennis players you Aren't wear really your shoes, for, you're
0: always buying your shoes. Right, you're always exactly, especially buying your shoes. And if you're your someone shoes. who
1: doesn't like maybe you're a player like junior player don't have a lot of money you're still going to buy the best tennis shoes you're not going to buy the best gear.
0: Right. And I don't know. Who knows so if Nike's gonna him Nike going to give him the RF logo back. The RF logo is cool. I think fans love it. I wore the hat yesterday. Ken, thanks, wearing, everyone, thanks again, Nike, for the hat. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice everyone, of you to give us that. Everyone's wearing the RF Everyone's hat. Everyone's got cool. the RF hat on. It's part of our tennis identity. I don't know what's going to happen. Uniqlo, obviously, the, 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 he, he, he kills the look. He looks. looks great. The clothes are cut exactly.
1: It's the same. He's basically it's wearing the same. the same thing. It's
0: the same exact clothes. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. This is... But all right, but you made a, you had an interesting point. I want to ask you about this too. Um, so, semi semifinal, Federer playing Anderson. That's yeah, match point. There is going to be point match, match point. Match you start, you start to think? He, he's eh, going to see himself.
1: He's going to see himself. He's going to imagine himself staying there, and he's going to be thinking like he's got the Nike headband on. And he's gonna be like, wait, that headband doesn't have a switch in it. And I feel like it's kind of a weird place to but be. But also, the,
0: with the underlying question
1: here is: like, How okay, does
0: Nike lose Federer? How do they? I mean, it's kind of, but
1: imagine if, like, why would LeBron how, James or some other some other athlete is wearing like Nikes, and then they go to like, sort of like Leaning, like a lot of basketball players are playing with Chinese basketball shoes now. I think
0: Leaning could have paid Federer five hundred million over five years, and he still would they have done <laughs> it. I don't think he would have done it, but they definitely would have done that. But how, how does Nike lose? I mean, why would you? I, I just don't. I mean, from what I've reading online, they just couldn't. They didn't want to match this offer. Yeah, they did want to How is it I just struggle to understand why they probably they would not.
1: someone some consultant, some some finance was guy crunching the numbers was crunching
0: numbers this is a bad investment. seems
1: like nonsense. Everyone knows that Fedder like crushed in the swoosh. And you just you kinda wonder collaborations moving forward. Like we had that Kith collaboration last year where Feder was wearing they took the vapors, like Feder's shoe, and they yeah. did like a collaboration between Jordan and the Fed Nikes, and like that worked really oh, well. So but in between but we, don't know, we don't know what's gonna kind of happen moving forward with like Fedder and but this, this, men's is this is kind
0: of a segue into the larger fashion discussion. So Uniqlo, the Kith, Kit Nikes, Virgil Abloh, Instagram Effect is the next. Also, Nike, you see what the new things are doing, the Nike court, it's a loud kind of text on the shirts, mm-hmm. kind of. Like what Balenciaga is doing, what Venomins is doing, it's really loud in your face marketing. Is that the next step for tennis? Maybe more collaborations? I mean, it just, I'm, seems I'm like seeing like people who don't the, play tennis wear tennis clothes now. I think mean, this is some like structural shift in.
1: But tennis marketing. is the only, it's sort of the only sport where players could go out and sort of, I mean, let's say Wimbledon aside. Yeah. players can kind of go out and wear whatever they want so the opportunities for fashion are sort of endless we,
0: we've been saying this for years though the tennis clothes are
1: boring they're pretty boring they become really boring like the only thing in tennis that's interesting is classics when things are like retro and there's like many more interesting things that can happen but we're gonna and it's kind I feel of like this old, is a we, if, we're gonna do a whole episode well, we'll on this do, so we're gonna table we'll uh,
0: Yeah, we'll do another episode
1: but we do want to give a shout-out to the Serena-Virgil collaboration.
0: Virgil said he was going to give us uh, a couple hats, too. So thanks Virgil, again, Nike off-white Court.
1: off-white Nike Court. When you get to the hats, it's chill. Um, but we, uh, I mean, everything in quotes Virgil Abloh. Like, we've seen it before. Do we Do we, do we want to talk
0: real quick about Shapovalov real quick?
1: Uh, yes, but hold up, hold up. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, the Serena gear looked incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, they 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 especially the it. shoes. Especially yeah, the shoes are amazing. The shoes.
1: the shoes almost for a second look like the Kyrie Irving Nike uh, basketball shoes. A little bit, and then they've got a little, a little bit of the also uh, that sole net, that
0: logo. The new see the, the, the sole in that shoe it's the new kind of that new thick rubber sole like the Epic React, yeah, and also the, React that, the, the the new Adidas Boost tennis shoe. Yeah, it's kind of the new. This is maybe the new, the, the new. I've been told that there's sees. less.
1: Uh, the, it feels like you're on clouds with that, but there's less, like, in the like less
0: structure. Yeah. Right. We'll so see. Brett and I were talking about this. I asked Brett, Fred what do you think about the shoes? He says, I think I'd roll my ankle. But then we both went to the Adidas store at the US Open entrance. Pick up the shoe. It looks pretty solid. I did. I went to a running store recently, though, and they're telling me how uh,
1: anytime he sees injuries, it's people wearing those shoes. Really? Wow. So. Oh, oh yeah. All right. Okay. But uh, anyways. I don't know who's testing cool these shoes. Pretty cool to see. Yeah. Pretty cool to see someone like Serena wearing Virgil clothing. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving forwards. Um, finishing up here, we've got uh, anything – what about – just in terms of the gear that we saw so far, anything interesting with rackets, like new trends or
0: like – So the only – well, rackets um, – Also, the sh- main thing is I'm seeing a lot of Yonix. A lot of a lot, a lot of young of guys with Yonics.
1: We've got Tiafoe, the American, young American from,
0: from the DMV. Um, playing with them. we got Shapovalov. Caroline Garcia yesterday. A lot of people on the women's store. Garcia. Yonics, uh I'm sorry. Um, uh, Kyrgios playing Yonics. Kyrgios has gotten Yonics. Like before, it was really – there it's, were two players playing Yonics. It was Warenka and Elbandian. And, and back in the day, it was also Hewitt, of course. Hewitt, Hewitt. But well, you know, know, I, the women, on the women's side, the though, true. Yonics has had a lot of players, though. Um I feel like on the men's side, they didn't have as many as they have now. Um, so Yonix, I don't know. I really want to try this new um, V-Core, I think. Yeah, that's the technology. There's the – I want to try the Shapovalov one and the Warenka one. I'm curious. We'll yeah, see. we're all curious. We're going to do some more research to see if, the, if there's if anything the I- else.
1: hexagon, isometric,
0: whatever, Right, if there's any other reason why we're seeing so many – Yonex rackets? I'll just say, we've heard a rumor yesterday. We were talking we we about, we about Wilson we're, no, sales we're, rep. We're, we're, we're going to research this before we let it out into the open, but we were told by Wilson sales, sales rep. rep. Who, that some
1: Japanese tax law is allowing Yannick's to put a lot of money into R&D.
0: And according into to him, that definitively explains... We and did, surge and Ionix players, but we're gonna, we're gonna we did look this up in the internet. We're not saying anything else. We're gonna we're gonna research it. So we're gonna table that for now. Put on um, our corporate law hats and look into it. All right. Uh, also, real quick though, another thing that the Wilson sales rep told us was that the Federer pro staff is exactly the racket he uses. I don't believe it. Hard to believe that Federer. I feel would like be I've read enough on Reddit about sold. how different his rackets are. And everyone's always like,
1: is F1 still making sticks and stringing sticks? I mean, P1, P1. Or P1 tennis. Is that still happening? P1, yeah. P1 is still... So for people who are, a, are like less familiar with tennis, what is P1?
0: So you'll see this a lot, especially with um, current players right now. You see with luck, yeah. he would Federer and often would like rot it back in the day. When they, in between overs, they go to change a racket. You take your racket out of the bag, it's in a, uh, out, of, out of their racket bag. The racket has kind of like a plastic covering, and on that on that bag is P1. P1 is a racket stringing company. I think they're based out in New York. And they're based of Florida now. Oh, uh, maybe in Florida. Um, mm. They are kind of the industry standard for pro players stringing rackets. Um, racket stringing, racket science is definitely kind of its own field. Almost. I mean, we should get Brett on here to talk about it, mm-hmm. but. Rafael Francis,
1: great stringer. Two, would two people hook it stringing
0: up. a racket at the same tension, it's probably not the same. Um, I think what a lot of players are concerned about. Is you want to get, let's say you're stringing a racket at like tension fifty two, you want the player wants to be sure that fifty two is actually maintained throughout the racket, and there is a process, a whole methodology about. Uh, the way you go about stringing it to actually make sure you get that.
1: You no, know, so a big thing they would do is grip modeling. Like, that's why you always see it on the butt cap, because I think they would, oh, okay. they would model the
0: grips for all the players. So we do. A, do we know does P1 do racket customization too, or is it just stringing?
1: I think they do weighting, so they would weight rackets and okay. balance them to make sure right. they're
0: fully balanced. So, yeah, we we did had, we had some research on this. have another episode about stringing and also about how many players actually use the rackets that it looks like they're using. We know a lot of players use... Like, Nadal is using, actually, the old Aeropro, just with a paint job. So we and think because we, we think. Well, it's clear. When he holds it up, you can see how thick it is. The new Aeropros are much narrower mm. using an old one, um, but we can talk about that later. All right.
1: First week of the tournament, did we see any new ugly ducklings? Like, we've got the sort of classics in the recent years are Manarino and Florian Meyer. So Manarino, uh, last, cu- last year, every single match of the year was wearing the same gray Nike tennis shirt. And
0: white shorts? And apparently, well it's for two reasons. One, I'm kinda of surprised by this. I guess it, it kind of makes sense, but he doesn't have a clothing sponsor. <laughs> and his second, apparently he made a bet at the beginning of the year last year with his coach that he would wear the same shirt every year. I don't know why he would want to make that bet, but he did it. So he wore the same really shirt every big. year. Also, we hope to get Manorino on the show so he can tell us why he walks under the court with one racket and a gym bag. One racket.
1: He was playing he was I think out he's with a, one racket. I think he's a really shirt. solid
0: player who's really tough to play. Kind of a pusher, though. Maybe a little bit of a pusher, but he, he's really clever on the court. I don't know why he would want to limit himself to one racket. Maybe have a couple sticks, different tensions, depending on what gets thrown at you. Use a different stick. I don't know. we got to get him on the show. Nike uh, Cord, thanks for sponsoring us, <laughs> but maybe you want to bring on Manorino, well, too. No, I think he deserves it.
1: Kind of like any Florian Myers out there.
0: There's a new player. Maybe not new. Maybe he's, he's in his 20s, but kind of seems like a Florian Meyer to me. Peter, I think... Gobojic, or, uh, I don't want to butcher his name. He's a German player. Federer played him first round. I think Cincinnati won 6-4, 6-4, Very similar to Florian Meyer. Not known at all for the aesthetic of his ground strokes, but kind of makes it work. Hitting big balls, hitting kind of flat. Not the most pleasing game to watch, but kind of uh, winning ugly. Reminds me of Florian Meyer. Florian Meyer on a grass court, I would uh, not want to play. Maybe. German, right? Yeah,
1: yeah German guy. So he's maybe a Florian Mayer. He's to watch. maybe
0: the new ugly duckling. So
1: if you're looking for some ugly tennis, go and check out a Peter Gochevich <laughs> match.
0: Weird, um, really weird ground strokes. All
1: right, uh, how much time we got left here? We got
0: we got a lot of time. We're doing pretty well. One. All right, uh, we're going. Uh, oh, so we've actually we're over an hour now. We want to try to keep these to an hour, but we're gonna be shooting for an hour. Let's, let's <sighs> we're, we're, we'll try to fly through the next couple topics. I think one thing we definitely want to at least talk this, briefly. I think
1: just finish. Let's just. I think let's talk about let's talk uh, about two
0: things. Let's uh, quickly,
1: quarterfinal matchups. Okay, who were taken? All right, so uh, Mr. Meta over here. All right, so from my, my uh, experience, pretty good at calling matches. Let's see. Uh, first quarterfinal that we know of is Nadal team. Who are you taking? How many sets?
0: Interesting match. Two top ten players. Um, team obviously beat Nadal before, but I think look, he hasn't had hardcore success. He's really much he's built his. Ranking and his titles on clay. Uh, I don't think what he did today against Anderson is going to work against Adal. I think Nadal in three or four.
1: You got to call it three or four.
0: I'm um, going three. All right,
1: Nadal in straights. Uh, Del Potro is in a really interesting matchup. Big serves.
0: This is Del a Potro tough one huge to call. forehand. Wait, do we know have they played each other? Can we look at the, head the head-to-head.
1: head-to-head uh, Del Potro. Head-to-head. I'm
0: gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna guess Del Potro three-one. <laughs> okay. I would think, but <laughs> uh, seven four. All right, so I got the ratio. My ratio was right. Uh, ratio, they so a no, lot, lot more My ratio is not
1: right. Uh, <laughs> no, not right. But all right, seven to four head to head. Wait, when the last time they played? So How many
0: surfaces? Um, about two right, we'll of every three matches, even, Del again.
1: Potro's winning. But have they played? Have they played again. at uh, Grand Slams?
0: Uh, so okay,
1: 2018 no. Roland Garros, uh, Del Potro wins they played in a few Masters that kind of went back and forth.
0: Um, I'm going Del Potro. I think he's the only playing... Grand
1: Slam matchup, Del Potro
0: beat him in straights. All right, I'm, going, I'm going with to Potro. Could go four, could go five. I think when you're playing a server that big, anything it really happen, right? Del Potro, you know, he just needs one or two games to kind of fl- lapse, you know, get to 30 all, lose one or two points. Isner starts serving bombs. He gets a crowd behind him. I mean, got to think there's going to be more Americans cheering for Isner. You could get. I mean, this match could be Del Potro six four six four, or it could be seven six seven six four six seven six five seven. So wait, um, are we? Is it going five? I'm going Del Potro in four.
1: Del Potro in four. All right. Uh, the rest of the quarterfinals are not set yet. We still got Chilich playing Goffin. Kind of nice to see Chilich get. I mean, Goffin. Uh, solid. Solid I think it's a good win, yeah. A solid
0: player. It um, feels like Chilich should. Really happy that Goffin, I think it was early this year, he was playing Dimitrov and a ball hit him in the eye and he was out for almost a month. So glad that that's not more serious than it looked like it could be. Nice win over Struff. Like, I think huge and he's pretty dangerous. So good to see him with a routine win. Chilich Goffin. They definitely played before. Um, interesting matchup. Again, I think feels like we'll see Chilich in the quarters. I think yeah. I think Chilich just too tough. Um, Chilich moving might, in the quarters. I think he's going to overpower Coffin.
1: Joe feels like Djokovic. Nothing crazy happens. We should see Djokovic moving into the quarters, playing Souza. Djokovic, um, yeah. And then Millman. Okay, Millman. We well, got.
0: We got another fourth round. Nishikori Schreiber Oh, sorry. Uh, um, Nishikori Kolshyber.
1: Going with Kolschreiber. Ooh, why Schreiber? Just looked coming out the. He a just looked man.
0: so strong yesterday. He, he did it with, um, he was playing with a lot of purpose, um, almost a really just surgical um, approach to the match. Still don't see him losing fourth round. Nice to see late in his career. I think he wants the quarter bad.
1: He wants it bad. All right. Um, uh, Djokovic Souza. Unless my unusual happens, we see that Sousa, be Djokovic Djokovic, on. All right, Milman Federer. Federer is going to be him in straights. Um, Fed- oh,
0: Millman, uh, <laughs> great player. Also, shout out to Milman. Uh, earlier in the year, I think in Brisbane, they played a really strong match against uh, Dimitrov. I think he had a chance to win it in the third set. I messaged him on Instagram, said, happy to see him win. This is a strong start of the year. He responded, which was cool. Shout out, Milman. Um, I love that. Love that. Please
1: respond to us on Instagram.
0: Thanks again. <laughs> uh <laughs> Interesting match against Kukushkin. That was a weird <laughs> match. So we started watching at 11 on the grandstand. Kukushkin, I love watching that guy play. He's got such a unique game. Backspin on the backhand. Sort of a Florian Meyer on Sword the backhand. Sort of a Florian Meyer. His wife coaches him. Can you just. The, the
1: wife. The, can you, I just. I can't imagine. There's got to be a point where, when your wife is coaching you, that's not that's not conducive to success.
0: Well, you could just be too. It's just
1: you're just mixing it's too worlds. Jovial. It's too
0: jovial. Worlds colliding, right? Yeah.
1: You're, there's some days. Sometimes you got to separate work a little bit, and there might be times when you have a bad day on court, and, and your okay. wife's just like your coach is really getting after you, and then you go home, and it's
0: your wife. It just feels a little weird. Maybe consoling you a bit too much. But anyway, seems- good win for Millman. I yeah. thought Kukushkin would win that. I think he's just mm-hmm. a tough player to play. He played Nadal this year, Wimbledon. I think it was 6-4, 6-4, 6-4, which is a strong effort. Anyway, Millman, one takeaway from seeing him play in person, I think I think you and Brett brought this up, so credit to you guys. I'm disagreeing, but maybe he uses too much energy on each point. Yeah, waste a lot, a of, lot energy of energy on shots. Just, I mean, he hits the balls deep, but he's just expending like, a lot of energy – Fed just looks so sharp. Um, I don't think Millman can hurt Feder at all. This could be something <laughs> like six two, six two, six one.
1: Fed should be pretty easily into the quarters. And looking just overall, like he continues to have a really nice draw. But the Djokovic Feder in a quarterfinals is a pretty interesting matchup. We'll get more of that next week. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, um, stuff we.
0: I think this stuff, uh, a brief snapshot of things we might want to talk about next week. Obviously, we want to cover the matches. We'll see how the Muhammad Lowney thing plays out, um, and then maybe talk about uh, the new seeding changes that are expected to happen mm. at the Slams next year. But
1: So when we're wrapping up, well, as we move, wrap up the summer, moving into the, uh, the 2019 t- tennis season, a lot of things to think about. Um, this is our first Cheeky Volley podcast. Shout out to the sponsors. We don't have them yet, but we're <laughs> waiting. Um, shout is, out to... This, uh, is a, this is a lot of fun. Brett Francis, Mike Levine, Austin Shoup, if and you're out there.
0: We had, um, just to go back on I mean, yesterday, so yesterday, 12 hours of the US Open, and then we went to Hudson River Park down by Pier 40. Oh, this is important. In this is important. Lower Manhattan, played tennis from 10 to really midnight. You like tennis, you go awesome. to the
1: day session, watch about 12 hours, and then you kind of barely eat, maybe have a little, a few beers in you
0: still. We had a little bit of chicken tikka masala at the US Open. Did get a little, uh we wait? Sorry, quick
1: aside before we finish. Uh, I guess the point is that we, we went and played tennis until about midnight, but thoughts on the food at the U.S. Open this year? They did nothing new from last
0: year. Nothing new from last year, but I thought the food was okay. Um, was, I thought it was okay. You got the fuku, the I David was, The one thing that was just obnoxious was Dean and DeLuca charging <laughs> – I don't know about having Dean and DeLuca at the U.S. Open, but also really charging $20 for a smoked turkey club. I don't know. <laughs> That's bizarre. Was,
1: Dean and DeLuca really showing kind of the worst parts of New York in yeah, a Yeah, definitely.
0: Of but real quick, so to end, end it, is that we played tennis from 10 to midnight, which is great. Um, I expected to rip the ball like Fognini, but of course, <laughs> I played with the prestige and I actually played pretty cheeky, <laughs> shanked a lot of balls. Shout out, Murphy Jensen.
1: Shout out, hey, Murphy Jensen. I remember when I was 10 years old, you told me that best shot in the game is a good shank. Um, but hey, that's it for Cheeky Volley. Uh, stay tuned for next week. Um, and if you want to, uh, we love to hear from our listeners. So, uh, if you're listening to this, send us an email at volley at gmail.com.
0: Cheers, mates. And
1: that is C H E E K Y V O L L E Y, volley at gmail.com. Cheers, mates. That's M A. Shout out. Uh, A. And last
0: thing, Uday. Shout out Adam Watson.
1: Shout out Adam Watson and shout out Uday. All right. Take care, everyone. We're out.